Join us now as Pastor David leads us through Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, teaching us about a dedicated life. Father, you are a good, good Father. And you call us into a deeper relationship with you. We're never to stop growing. We're always to be growing throughout our life in deeper faith, in deeper commitment, in deeper dedication. Lord, let that theme resonate in every heart this morning, that you're calling us, you're calling each each individual in here into a deeper walk with you, to be more dedicated to you today than we were last week. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time of worship. Minister to our hearts now in Jesus' name. This morning we're in Romans chapter 12, looking at verses 9 through 21, and there's a theme. The theme over the past couple weeks is a life of dedication, a life of dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what life's all about. That's what we're here for. That's the purpose you are on this planet, is to know your God, to know the creator of the universe to know his love, and out of that relationship of him dwelling on the inside of us, it flows out and affects the world around you. So I was going to ask this question at the end of my message, but I'll go ahead and ask it now. Who are you touching in this world for Jesus? Who are you pouring yourself into? I, I talk with a lot of you guys. There's people here that do ministry with students. There's people here that do ministry in the prisons. There's people that call me and tell me about things going on with their neighbor and their friends. But you, in in, in this life that God calls you into, of dedication to the Lord Jesus, he calls you to touch other people and, and to be a witness. That's what we're here for. It's called a life of dedication. Amen? So let that resonate as I'm teaching this morning. So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, And if you're at verse 9, say, I'm there. All right, good enough for me. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let's take a look at it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of of all men. So what we're looking at this morning, as I said, is a life of dedication. What does that look like? What does that look like in 2017 in everyday life? Who who do you know in your life that has lived a life of dedication? And maybe they had an impact on you. You know, it could be people on the big scene that that, that are very famous. Uh, Jim Elliott the missionary who lost his life back in the 50s down in Ecuador, reaching people. Some people would say Billy Graham. Some people say Corey Ten Boom. You know, there's a lot of great Christians out there 
who pioneered the way for believers. But how about in your life, your grandmother, your mother, your father? You know, I think about my grandfather, my grandparents. Man, they pioneered the way. They, sh- they pointed me straight to Jesus. They're in heaven with him now, and I look forward to one day thanking them in heaven for the life of dedication they led in Christ that enabled me to follow. And it was because of their prayers that I came to Christ. The word dedication means being committed to a task or purpose, feeling strong support, loyalty, and allegiance. And what we have here in Romans chapter 12 is a blueprint of a life of dedication. If you, if you, in your Bible, if you take notes in there, just put beside Romans chapter 12, this is a life of dedication. Verses 1 through 2 shows that we give our life to Jesus Christ by being a living and holy sacrifice. Then verses 3 through 8, what was it we looked at last week? We give ourselves in the ministry. And we use the gift the Holy Spirit has given us to minister to the body. And now, in verses 9 through 21 of Romans chapter 12, is how to live, what I've entitled, how to live a dedicated life. You want to learn how to live a dedicated life? Do y'all want to learn how to live a dedicated life? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Three marks of a dedicated life. Actually, I went through and counted how many statements are in this passage. There's 31 statements. There's 31 individual statements. But I've, I've narrowed it down to three categories, three marks of a dedicated life. And we'll look at those. So let's pray, and then we'll get into God's word. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Teach us how to live a dedicated life to you, Lord, so we can touch people around us. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. The first mark of a dedicated life is seen in our love and the type of love that we have that God has given us. Agape love. This is not a Hollywood love. This is not Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate on the front of the Titanic type love. This is not the notebook type love where they're kissing at the end. This is real love. This is agape love. This is divine love. And it says here in verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, let your love be honest and sincere. Let it be honest and sincere and not fake. Let it be real. In our Christian love that we show that God has placed in our hearts, we don't show favoritism. We don't show favoritism in the body, outside the body. We just don't live a life that shows favoritism. And we're not prejudiced with our love. Love sees no color. It sees all people the same. It's a real, genuine, God-like love that's transparent, and it's without hypocrisy. And notice this statement he puts here in verse 9. Very interesting statement. He says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. God's agape love, it hates evil. It hates evil in the world. Evil makes love angry. This agape love, it loves what is good for us. God's love is not some pampering love, but it's a perfecting love. It's a perfecting love that says, I want the very best for you. That's what God's love is. God's love says, I want the very best for you. That's why when God's love is inside of us and God's love is operating inside of us, we will not let a friend or a loved one wreck their life. You know what I'm saying? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? You parents know what I'm talking about. When you see your children doing things and they're making bad decisions, and you're like, oh, don't do that. I don't, don't do that thing. Why are you saying that? Because you love them. It's a perfecting love. And God's love is the same way. God wants the very best for you. Amen? He wants the very best for you. Let's see where we left off here. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. We got to be committed to each other in the love of Christ. That divine love from above that dwells inside of us is what binds us together. It's what makes me and Mary uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's what makes us, it's what makes us um, family. It's God's love dwelling in us. But that love, verse 10 says, give preference to one another in honor. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It places others above ourselves. And y'all know what I'm talking about. We see this in the parent-child relationship. You know, parents will give their life for their children to benefit them, to make them better. Where we're called to have that same love in the body of Christ that we look out for one another. When one's in the hospital, one's hurting, or things are going on in their life, the rest of the body comes around and ministers to that person and is there for them because they have God's agape love dwelling in them. This agape perfecting love without hypocrisy is the foundation of relationships. It's the foundation of the relationship. This is the love that when you find this in a person, they find it in you, man, you are friends for life because you see the genuineness of their love. And that's the kind of God, the God kind of love he wants to place in our heart and be a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. Our love for Christ and our love for each other proves our dedication. Amen? We got to walk in that love. We got to live in that love. It's a perfecting love. It's, it's a love, it doesn't, it doesn't turn a blind eye to what's wrong. It's a, it's a love that will confront evil. It's a love that will confront sin. But it's a love that's a perfecting love that wants the very best. And that's the kind of people you want to be surrounded by. Okay? A true friend will confront you when he sees you doing something dangerous, when he sees you doing something wrong. A real friend will go to you in a spirit of love and humility and say, hey, bro, we need to have a cup of coffee and talk about this. That's a real friend. Who's not a real friend is a person who will turn a blind eye and let you continue down that path. That's not a friend and that's not love. Amen? Amen. Verse 11. Verse 11. says, uh, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to prayer. The second mark, the first mark of a dedicated life was love, the love of God, agape love of God dwelling in us. The second mark of dedication is faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the second mark of a dedicated life, is being faithful to our calling. Remember the flow of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We give our life to Christ, we become a, a holy and living sacrifice. Verses 3 through 8, we operate in our gift, and we're faithful in that calling. We're faithful in that gifting. And then verse, look at verse 11. Let's look at it, go through these um, statements here. First it says, not lagging 
behind in diligence. The word diligence means careful and persistent in work and effort. Basically what it means is faithful. It means faithful. It means focused. It means we're not a one-hit wonder. We don't dip out when the, when the going gets tough. But we're committed. We, we're entrenched. We're set. This is what God has called me, and I'm going with it. And, and I'm not doubting. I'm not backing out. I'm not dipping out. I'm not leaving. I'm, my hands are to the plow, and I'm going, and I'm going to be faithful. Faithfulness says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Everything, even in ministry, is not always easy. And sometimes things are tough, and, and it's hard to get going. But what's that old saying? When the going gets tough, the tough get going, or vice versa. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We, we put our hands out and we go, and we run with it, and, we go, and we're faithful to what he's called us to do. And then it says there in verse 11, it says we're fervent. The NASB says we're fervent in spirit. Basically, we have a passion. We have a zeal. We have an excitement. Are you pumped and are you excited about what God has in store for you in the future to operate in your gift? You need to be passionate about it. You need to be zeal. You need to say, thank you, God, for this gift. Now give me a way to use it. I got a lot of y'all out here. And that's why, that's why Calvary Chapel Irmo is being so successful. Because I'm talking with a lot of you guys throughout the week. And people are telling me about their different ministries and what they're doing. And it's making my head spin. But it's so exciting. It's, it's so exciting because I see people with a zeal. I see people with a passion. And you got to have it right there in God's word. Fervent in spirit. The next one in verse 11, talking about a dedicated life. Verse 11 says, serving the Lord. Here it is, guys. You understand. You've got it fixed. You see it now. Your ministry is for the Lord, and it's not for yourself. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. That's what it's all about. It's for his glory. It's to bring people to him, and we're doing it for him. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it to make a show. We're not doing it to say, look at me, but we're doing it to make Jesus look great. Can we do that? Let's do it. Let's do it. As I was looking at this verse, this came to me. This is very important. And maybe some of you have had some tough sledding in ministry. Maybe you people have hit some roadblocks. Maybe y'all have had difficult times in ministry. But here's, here's the word for you. Ministry is never in vain. Ministry is never in vain. What you do for Christ is never in vain. It makes an impact. His word goes forth. It does not return void. As we speak God's word into people's life, as we minister to people, as we do ministry in the name of Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's always powerful and it's always effective. I'll never forget walking down Virginia Beach Boulevard, going to places I had no business to go to, and that young man, his knees were shaking, and he had some gospel tracks, and he, he gave me a gospel track, and I stuck it in my back pocket, and I went on about my business that evening. Um, when I was 20 or 21 years old, if he only knew I was a pastor today, if he only knew I was a pastor, you know, people were, he was, he was giving out gospel tracts and people were ripping up and throwing them to the ground, but I was respectful. I was like, oh, thank you, sir. I stuck it in my back pocket. Only if he knew. 
God's word is effective and is powerful and is never in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, there it is, your toil, your hard work in ministry is what? Not in vain. That's what God says. A life of dedication, it has its ups, it has its downs. We have mountaintop experiences, we have times in the valley. We have easy sledding, tough sledding. But look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. In, in, in those tough times of ministry, the tough sledding, look at verse 12. We, uh, we rejoice in hope. What is hope? The word hope means expectation of coming good. Even in the tough times, even when things aren't going the way they are, we still have hope. And we know this, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. There is always hope as we serve the Lord. There's always hope. And then it says, persevering in tribulation. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to put your hard hat on, buckle your chin strap, and just stay the course. Just stay the course through the tough times. You will pass through the valley, and you will start to go up on top of the mountain peak where, where, we have, where things are a lot better. But we go through the, the, the times of tribulation. But throughout all this time, throughout the valleys, throughout the mountains, throughout the good times, throughout the bad times, verse 12, what are we? We are devoted to prayer. Prayer is our hotline to heaven. Prayer is when we bow our head and heart and we say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Help me through this valley. Help me through this difficult time. Give me the words to speak and, and let me be effective in ministry through this valley. And then when I get up on the mountaintop and things are going well and you're shouting hallelujah, don't forget you got to be praying there too. you got to be praying there too and giving thanks for bringing you through the valley and bringing you on the mountaintop. But a life of dedication, there's ups and downs. But in those, in the, in those trials, in those difficult times, remember we have hope in the tribulation and we're devoted to prayer. Now, verses 13 through 21, he's going to shift gears. And this is my th the third mark of a dedicated life. The first one is our love. The second one is our faithfulness. And the third mark of a dedicated life is, is how we deal with people. You know, that can be one of the most challenging areas of ministry is dealing with people, man. Dealing with human beings. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, an amazing ministry. It's a very joyful ministry. But at the same time, it can be difficult. And we gotta, you got to learn in ministry how to deal with different people. Let's check it out. The first one is within the church, verse 13. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. What is hospitality? It's sharing with those in need. It's sharing with those in need. It's looking out for each other. We've got to look out for each other. And my hope that as, as our church develops and, and it flows from the top is that we care for one another. And we let that show in our everyday life, as we look out for one another, we got to cover each other's backs. We got to look at each other and say, I got your back. I got your back. Last Sunday, um, I, had the I had an opportunity. I hope this is okay, Monty. But, okay, you gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> but I got I, to drive Monty home. 
and um, after we went out to lunch. And Monty shared with me the whole way home of what Calvary Chapel Irma means to him and what our church has been able to do for him. It, you know, and uh, he just talked about how much he loves his church and how much the people within this body have just come alongside him and have just been amazing in their hospitality, in their love, in their caring. He's never experienced this before in life. And he, he was about in tears. It, it, this church has touched him so much. But that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so, you know, keep on doing what you're doing, church. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's an amazing thing. We got each other's back. Amen? Verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It says here, we're to bless those who treat us wrong. This here is distinctively Christian. This is a dis distinctive of Christianity. Because the world says this. The world says, you love me, I'll love you. You hate me, I'll hate you. That's For the most part, that's what the culture says, what the world says. But Christianity says, we love. We love all people. We, we, we love all people without a perfecting agape love. And, and, and we don't hate. We show love to all people. That's, that's, the, that's what's in us that God has placed there that we show the world. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, 28 says, but I, say to you, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. This is Jesus speaking. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's distinctively Christian, and that's what should flow from every believer's heart in this world. Now, give you an illustration that came very close to home here last year. I think it was June 17th, 2015. Uh, a very evil person went into Emmanuel AME Church and um, shot and killed nine believers in a Bible study. Very, uh, very evil act. Uh, very dark act. But how did they respond? How, how, how did those people in that Bible study respond? I want to read to you a couple statements that was um, read, I mean, that was said. Uh, this was two days. This was June 19th. Their loved ones haven't, they hadn't even had the funeral yet. Two days later, when, when Mr. Roof stood in court, listen to some of the statements. Shireen Goss, sister of Tawanza Sanders, said this. She said this to Mr. Roof. She said, you didn't accomplish anything but deep hurt for other people. We're not broken. We're hurt, yes, but we're not broken. Nadine Collier, she was the daughter of um, Ethel Lance. She said, uh, you took, she told this to, to, to Mr. Roof, she said, you took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again. But this is what she says. This is what, two days later, after he had murdered her mother, she said this, Nadine said this, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgive you 
and I forgive you. Folks, that's a dedicated life to Christ for them to make those kind of statements. That's a life of dedication. Felicia Sanders was there in the Bible study. Her and her daughter were the only survivors. When he, he opened fire, she fell down to the floor. She gripped her 11-year-old. She survived, and she brought her Bible to court two days later. And, and she, she held her Bible that she was having in that Bible study, and she held to him, and she says, because of this, yes, I forgive you. That's what she told him. This is a life of dedication. They didn't minimize their pain. They said it in their pain and suffering. They said it through their tears. They said it through the most difficult situation imaginable. But they forgave. That is distinctively Christian. Amen? Amen. Go back 2,000 years. On the cross, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Acts chapter 7, what did Stephen say? Uh, if you go back and study, as he was dying, as he was being pelted by, by, by the rocks, and in his dying breath, he said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Do you see the theme? We have pain. We have suffering in those, those tough, challenging times, but we got to be a forgiving people. We got to be a forgiving people. That, that is part of a life of dedication. A, li a life of dedication is through the deepest pain, um, and in the process of, of healing, we forgive people and we demonstrate Christ's forgiveness in us. That is a mark of a life dedicated to Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, in the Christian walk, we, we walk with our friends on the mountaintop and then we walk with them through the valleys. We celebrate the mountaintop experiences. We shout hooray. We give them a high five. We love them. We hug them. But then when we go through the valley, we hold their hand. We hold their hand through their difficult trial, through their difficult time, and say, God's going to get us through this. Amen? We rejoice with those who rejoice on the mountains. We, we weep with those who weep when they go through difficult times. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. As Christians, we treat all people the same. We treat all people the same. We treat them with respect. We treat them with love. We treat them with compassion. We treat them with uh, truth. But we treat all people the same. Amen? All right, question for you this morning. Any of you got any, anybody here got any difficult people in their life? Okay, I see a couple of hands. Okay, okay, there we go, there we go, there we go. We all have difficult people in our life in varying degrees. Some are really bad, some are not as bad. But um, how do you deal with difficult people? Especially when it comes to really, really mean people. Those are the hardest to deal with. God's word addresses it right here. 
It says right here in verse 17, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Here it is, but here's what we do. We're going to go back to those other verses in a second. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Three principles I see in this passage in how to deal with difficult people, especially when it, when it comes to people that are really very evil. First one, principle number one is we don't take revenge. We don't take revenge. That's distinctively Christian. That's part of the Christian walk is we don't take vengeance ourselves. But what do we do for them? We pray, number one, and we forgive them. We pray and we forgive them. And there may be times in life where they never come and ask for forgiveness. And you've just got to, you've got to forgive them and let it go so that don't fester and build up in your heart. But the two things we have to do is when we don't take revenge is we forgive the people that hurt us and we pray for them. We pray for them. Number two, according to verse 18, we live at peace with all men. We live at peace with all men. Notice verse 18 says, it says, if possible. In other words, we need to do everything within our power to be at peace with all men. You know, um, we, we need to make every effort on our part to bring reconciliation. Um, we don't want to choose conflict. You know, we don't make it our goal to choose conflict. You know, when I, when I have a conflict with somebody, whether it's minor or something big, uh, without compromising my Christian faith, I look for a way for us to work this out and, and make peace in this situation and to bring reconciliation. Because at the bottom, at the end of the day, you know, we want to be friends. We want to live at peace with one another. And so we don't want to choose conflict. And if all possible, we, we, we want to make peace. And this is, a, as I was looking at this, as, as you deal with people, you don't want to be a troublemaker. You don't want to be a troublemaker. You don't want to, don't do things to instigate or stoke the fire. Don't be a troublemaker. In other words, Find a way as you're dealing with the person to, to, to bring peace and to bring reconciliation. Hey, let's talk about this. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's, let's work this out. But we don't want to be a troublemaker. Third principle from this passage I, I see in here, examine yourself. And if you've done anything wrong, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. A lot of times that will diffuse anger between two people when you go to the person and say hey I know I might have offended you I may have done something wrong will you please forgive me and ask for forgiveness and a lot of times that will melt them they'll be like oh wow thank you so much I want to, for I want to forgive you too I want you to forgive me too for what I said 
Show them that you're willing to make peace. Show them that you're willing to make reconciliation. And a lot of times it will trigger the same reaction in them when they see it in you. You lead the way. Amen? Amen. Verses 20 and, and 21, you know, I like to say kill them with kindness. Just pour, pour over kindness. Pour, pour, kill them with kindness. Uh, despite their anger, despite their mean or evil acts, just show them love. Show them kindness. Don't let it reverberate. It comes your way. Don't send it back because all it does is it stokes the fire. And then verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil and hatred is the poison of your soul. It's the poison of our soul. Evil, hatred, anger darkens our hearts. It darkens our hearts, and we don't want our hearts to be darkened. We want to live a life of dedication, and we and walk in his love, understanding how to deal with people as we operate in our gifts that God has given us to minister to the body of Christ. Do y'all want to do that? Do y'all want to do that? Do you want to live that out? Let's pray, and let's ask God to help us Help us live this life of dedication. A life of dedication touches the world around them. Close with this question. Who are you touching? Who are you reaching out to? You know, we can't win the whole world with Christ, but each individual believer in here can touch another individual who needs Christ's love who needs to know his healing power, who needs to know his reconciliation, who needs to know how he can rebuild a life. Who are you touching? Who are you touching? I don't, I don't care if you've been a Christian for one day or for 30 years. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you reaching out to? Me and Robert, we talk all the time, man. This guy, he blisters it out in the field. I'm talking to him all the time, and he's talking with these construction workers and these other people, and he's always talking to them about the Lord, and he's always running into atheists and people from other religions, and he tells me the testimonies, you know, and it's just amazing. Those people on the construction site, they need Christ, and Robert is shining that light. Brandon, out at the, out at the nuclear site, you know, all of us in our individual workplaces, we need to be touching people with the gospel. You know, um, we need to be multiplying. You know, uh, touching people, ministering to people. You know, and I'm going to say, inside the church is great. You know, find somebody inside the church. But it's not limited to the church. It could be somebody in your neighborhood. Somebody who doesn't even come to our church. You were a life of dedication is marked by those three things and pouring it into other people's lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, teach us, show us how to live these principles out that we've seen in your word in everyday life. 
Help us to live a life of dedication, a life of, of, of true agape love, a life of faithfulness. And teach us, Lord, how to pour it into people and touch those around us, whether it's neighbors, brothers, sisters, loved ones, people at our work. Help us to be a shining light. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you, and we thank you for your word now. Your word, I've taught your word, Father. Do your work in their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you would like to join us during our Sunday service, we meet at 10 a.m. at 110 Hunters Village Drive in Irmo. If you would like to talk to a pastor or in need of pastoral counseling, feel free to call us at 803-917-8792. Father in heaven. Father in heaven, you know my longing. You hear my every thought and prayer. I bring to you my heart and all my devotion. And I long to love you, to love you with all that I have, to give to you all that I Oh